With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. 7.06 is the time of the evening. 24 and a half hours away from the kickoff. Eskimos and Lions coming up tomorrow night. This portion of the show presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. I mentioned uh, the Blue Jays winning 8-4 this afternoon. Uh, flurry of ejections in that game. Hudson Swafford leading the RBC Canadian Open. He shot a 7-under-65. Mackenzie Hughes, pretty good uh, round for him. Low Canadian, 5-under par. Hockey note, Andre Markov leaving the Montreal Canadiens after 16 seasons. The uh, Habs uh, saying, uh, we're not bringing you back, so he's going to play in the KHL, which means he could play in the Olympics. And FC Edmonton, I want to give them a plug as well, back at it on Sunday, 2 p.m. at Clark, starting the second half of their season, taking on the Indy 11. I love the team names where they just name the team after the number of players on the on the field. Wasn't there the Ottawa Silver 7 in hockey back when they used to have seven skaters on the ice? Anyway, that's history. Uh, we've got a couple special guests in studio because there is a NASCAR Pinty Series race uh, coming up in Edmonton this weekend. So this is always a fun weekend for, uh, for race fanatics. Uh, well, there's a lot going on in the summer. First of all, Tim Southers has uh, dropped into studio for the second straight year uh, doing PR for NASCAR. NASCAR for motorsports.com. Tim, great to see you again. Hey, great as always, Reid. Love coming out here when talking with you. No, you got to tell people, where's that accent from? Uh, North Carolina. I try to hide it, but there's no way I can. There's no hiding that. <laughs> so North Carolina, well, it's funny. We had Kia Nurse on the show from the University of Connecticut women's basketball team. So North Carolina, uh, heavy college basketball country oh, yes. there, eh? For now, I don't know. The NCAA is getting ready to come down on the Tar Heels pretty hard, I think. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, we just won the championship last year, so i got to brag a little bit. <laughs> yeah, all right. And uh, in studio, uh, a driver as well from the NASCAR Penty Series, uh, Quebec's uh, from Victoriaville, Quebec, Alex Labbe has dropped by Alex, thanks for making time for us, man. Welcome. Thanks a lot for having me on the show. All right. Now, you're incredibly busy because we should tell people you're racing this weekend. So thanks for joining us, you know, a couple of days before running. But how how did you spend yesterday? This is pretty exciting. Yeah, yesterday we were in uh, Saskatoon for, uh, we had a twin 100 lappers. We had two uh, 100 lap races. And it went pretty good for us. Uh, we uh, won the first race and finished third in the second one. So it was a really good points there for uh, our old Canem team. But uh, we're going to try to to build on and uh, go win a, the race uh, on Saturday night here in Edmonton. So how are you doing points-wise in the series now? You're right up there, aren't you? Yeah, yeah we're second, like only two points away from uh, the championship leader. So uh, we're in pretty good shape. We're halfway th- through the season now. So I think we're, uh, we're just uh, right where we want to be. All right, so you keep pushing. You're right there. Uh, now, I do, I do want to, I do want to, and Alex, look, 
we're, we're happy to have you, but I promoted last night that Alex Tagliani was coming in. Uh, Tim, you had to call an audible this morning. I, I don't know which one of you wants to take this because, Alex, you had been on the track, but, Tim, you maybe would have had a better view of it. I'm not sure how Alex thought. What happened with uh, Tagliani uh, last night in Saskatoon? Well, it was interesting, and Alex might be able to add a little bit to it. There was a caution on the track, but the caution was on the other side of the track. And so when we called the caution, we instructed the drivers to let off the gas and slow down at a safe at a safe pace. Well, don't know if Alex spotted or didn't see something, or if Alex and it and Alex, and Alex LeBay can tell you it's hard to see in those race cars. I mean, with all the safety apparatus right. they've got on, it's not like when you're in your passenger vehicle going down Highway Two. You know, you can just look around, look at the fields and the birds, and <laughs> you know, but you're really limited what you can see. So you rely on those eyes in the sky, we call it, as a spotter. And for some reason, I don't know what happened, but Alex Tagliani made contact. I can't remember what car number it was, but he made pretty hard contact and just basically destroyed the front end of his race car. And so we had a double header last night. Of course, Alex LeBay won the first race and then finished third in the second. And for the second race, uh, Alex Tagliani basically had a modified car for race fans out there that know what a modified is. There were no fenders on the wheels of the front. There was no hood. They they oh, changed geez. the radiator. I mean, they did what they had to do. And Alex called me this morning as soon as I got off the plane here in Evans and goes, Tim, I'm so sorry. I've got to get this car ready. You know, I, I, that's my first priority to the race. And I said, I totally understand. We'll, we'll have you on again, hopefully sometime down the road. But Alex LeBay, we is nice enough to have him come by tonight. And uh, obviously in the points like he is, it's, uh, it's great to talk about that because he is racing another fellow Quebecer. I, is that right? Am I saying that right, Quebecer? That's, yeah, that's yeah. a southern term. I'm making it sound southern here. <laughs> but uh, Kevin Lacroix, see, I'm having to learn all these you know, pronunciations, but Kevin Lacroix is leading the points, and Kevin has won three races, and Alex has won two. So we've had Quebec drivers win five of the seven races this year. Oh, well. And Alex, you, you had your one career win, win before this year? Uh, before this year, yeah. Yeah, I so, had one and now, uh, so now you got, already yep. got two this year, so you've yep. shot right now. Give me a sense, Alex, of when. Because, look, there are, oftentimes there is a crash or something happens. When you go into that caution, you know, what's the mindset? Because I know everybody groups up. you got to control your speed. And then I, I imagine you're never, probably never really sure when it's going to end, right? So when you're, in, when you're in that caution territory, what's going through your mind? What, what, what are you kind of plotting? What are you communicating with your crew? Yeah, well, during cautions, we I mean, we work a lot because we're, we're trying to work with the team, trying to tell them what, 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 how we can make the car better and what we can do to make it better because it's a, a pretty good time to talk because when you're on the track, you don't really have time to do that <laughs> right. kind of stuff. So, But at the same time, you got, you got to uh, stay focused and you got to keep, uh, keep you sharp because you got to keep the tires clean and everything because um, when, when, when it goes back green, you got to be ready so you don't lose any spots on, on the restart because it's, uh, it's pretty much the best place you can gain any, any spots on those restarts because you're, you're too wide and uh, you're... Because you could have been way behind a guy and then in the caution, every, you could be a bunch up, right? Yeah, that's it. So uh, that, that, that's what happened in the first race. I was uh, the first uh, the first 100 lapper I won. We were leading and we had like a three, like three to four car lane gap and I was, mm-hmm. I had a pretty safe gap and there, the tr- the, there was a caution with two to go. So I really didn't, I really didn't want to see that caution because <laughs> right. it, it was, it, we had a green white checker there, but I still had a pretty good restart and was able to keep the lead and, and win the race. But it's, it always puts uh, a little more pressure on, on you because uh, you're, tr- you're, you're working hard to get a, a safe gap and uh um, you know, in, in just a moment when a then caution flies, everybody's just jamming, uh, is packing right behind you. So When you talked about keeping the tires clean, you made a swerving motion with your hand like you were spinning back and forth on a steering wheel. T- tell people about that, what, what, why you have to do that. Yeah, yeah, you just go from right to left and just try to... Um, 
uh, heat those tires as much as possible to like to keep them clean. Because sometimes you, you you gotta go, you gotta uh, you, you you collect like the the rubber and the rocks on the track, and uh, yeah, they call them marbles. The marbles, okay. yeah, the marbles, yeah. And sure. uh, so you just gotta keep them clean. Because if you don't clean them good enough, you don't spin the, the rear tires or you don't clean the front tires uh, by by. Uh, Going from right to left, your the car is just not going to stick for two to three laps. So uh, it's it's pretty important important. Like I told you, like those restarts because it's uh, really tight. We're uh, side by side, and uh, you can lose a lot of spots there. Alex, uh, how old are you? I'm 24. 24 from Victoriaville, Quebec. Uh, when did you start racing some sort of vehicle, whatever whatever it was? <laughs> yeah, well, I started pretty young. I started like when I was uh, six years old, go karting. Wow. And, um, yep. That's. Um, I, I did a lot of go karts from like I started racing like at seven to fourteen, then um, went to stock cars after this uh, on full in full size cars. So, uh, been pretty much racing my whole life. That's pretty much uh, what I know to, to do the best. So, uh, how long now have you been on the uh, the NASCAR Pinty series? And maybe give people a sense of because you know you're always trying to get that higher level and and move up, but it's not like you know, hockey or football, where you get drafted by a team and then and then you make the team. I mean, you got to get on get on podiums and get noticed, don't you? Yep, that's it. That's my second full season this year. I got uh, I got a, a Canem as a major sponsor for, uh, since last year, and that's why I was able to to run full time because we try to run uh, before like for the two two three seasons before that we try to run part time a couple of races a year and try to get sponsorship to get to run full time and that's uh, that's what that's how we got Canam and now we're we're in our second season I think we're doing pretty good last year we were we had a pretty good year we just uh, struggled a bit uh, later on but uh, I think this year we're really doing what what we got to do we got uh, consistency like seven top five out of the seven first races so that's uh, pretty much the the goal the the mindset what. Uh, what fires you up about the sport? I mean, what do you what do you love about racing? And I mean, you're still a relatively young guy, but has has kept you getting in the go kart, and then obviously yep. bigger and faster cars as you, as you've gotten older. What's the where's the passion come from? Uh, I mean, uh, I think I don't know. It's just. Uh you just you just want to win. You just you always want to win. You just always <laughs> want to beat the other guys. I mean, you just just I think just like any guys that uh, any guys that are. Uh, doing any sports you just want to you want to get better you want to you, you want to move up the ladder and i think i got a really good opportunity right now with with canam they're they've got a team in the u.s and in a nascar but they sponsor a team in the nascar sprint cups and uh, nascar monster energy cup series so it's one of that. those 10 word sponsorships right that we talk i got about you, I got you. <laughs> so uh, yeah that's so i think it's a pretty good opportunity for me i mean we're trying to do as good as possible here trying to win a championship then uh trying to move on uh, in the united states uh, to to keep climbing the ladder. Tim, give me a sense of the the NASCAR Pinty series. And, and look for for people who have been following racing a, a, a long time, or maybe aren't sure. I mean, it used to just be called Cascar. It did. That was mm-hmm. a long time ago, and then it was NASCAR Canada. And so, so I mean, it's the it's the stock car racing. That you know, it's the NASCAR is obviously heavily involved. Um, is this is this a Canadian heavy circuit? Not only in terms of where we're racing, because we were just in Saskatoon. Now you guys are in Edmonton. Mm-hmm. Are most of the drivers Canadian, or what are we looking at here? Well, ninety nine percent of the drivers are Canadian, okay, uh, which is great. That's what NASCAR wants because they want to build the brand, obviously, and uh, that's why they basically I don't want to say took over or purchased, but I think there was a merge back years ago, and that's mm-hmm. when NASCAR, when CASCAR kind of went away, and NASCAR came on board. But we did have one American driving last night. Uh, from Detroit, Michigan. He drove in the race. He's a rookie, just trying to get some seat time. 
But it's a great, you know, you're talking about the level of racing. I, I would say in baseball terms, you know, you have the rookie league, single A, double yep. A, triple A. I would classify uh, the Cup Series as the major leagues, the Xfinity Series that Alex has driven in. I would call it the triple A series, if you will. The trucks, double A. And I would call what Penty's is is a high single A, if okay. you will. And maybe a double A because a lot of the drivers that have raced in the Penty series have went on and had success in the national series of NASCAR down in the States. Uh, not only Alex driving, but uh, Alex Tagliani has driven uh, in the series and, and been in contention for wins. He's won several poles. Uh, Andrew Ranger has raced several times. And we're probably going to have several Penty's drivers. I don't know if I I don't know if you got anything planned or not, but I know we'd probably have several Penty's drivers running in the uh, NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race at Camping uh, Canadian Tire Motorsport Park okay. in uh, September outside of uh, Toronto and Bowmanville. So, right. so it, it's a great series, getting a lot of notice. Um, you know, one of the things that I think that series does is it prepares the drivers, as Alex was saying, to get comfortable in a race car, to learn how to drive the race car, to learn how to set it up. So when you are ready to make that move, if you're fortunate enough, you've got that seat time and experience to be able to do that. And a little side note with his teammate he's talking about, his teammate lives in the same town I live live in in North Carolina. Oh, wow. and I've, okay. I've known him since he's like 12 years old. So <laughs> this racing business, we're all connected one way or the other. Somehow. Yeah, no kidding. That's great. I got to take a break, but uh, stay where you are because we want to tee up what's going on uh, here in Edmonton this weekend. Another big one for you, Alex. Uh, Alex Labbe, driver on the NASCAR Pinty Series and uh, for motorsport.com. Tim Southers is in studio as well. We're coming right back. Hi, this is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Well, appreciate that you're tuning in tonight. Fun show. We're getting you ready for the Eskimos and the Lions. Six o'clock countdown to kickoff on Chad, 730 kickoff. We've had Kia Nurse from the Canadian Women's National Basketball Team on the show. And I'm currently joined in studio by Alex Labbe, driver in the NASCAR Pinty Series and uh, representing NASCAR for Motorsport.com. Tim Southers is here as well. All right, Tim, This I'll, I'll, I'll give you your area of expertise. First of all, give people the lowdown, the when, where, the tickets, all that stuff for oh, the race. Oh, yeah. Well, that's great. We certainly want everybody to come out for the Luxor 300 at Edmonton International Raceway on Saturday night. The race starts at 730. Uh, ticket prices, I was trying to look for them. I can't find them, but I, it's a very affordable race ticket. Uh, that's what makes it so... It's, it's family-oriented, family fun. I know the Thiering family, they've done a lot of work down at the racetrack. I know they put in some new seating that wasn't ready for our race last year but they've got it ready this year so uh, they actually bought that seating in the south and it's a beautiful racetrack last year we had a caution field i know alex doesn't want to hear that but we had an action-packed race so if there's race fans out there that love to see action on the racetrack and see cars hitting one another that's the great thing about the penny series is you know we don't want them to tear up a lot of stuff because it costs a lot of money but as far as side by side I dare say, Alex, there's any cars left that doesn't have a scratch on them, probably, from just beating and banging in the turns the way you race so hard, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think, uh, like you're saying, Edmonton is a, is a place where uh, it gets a little rougher than the other, the other tracks, so it's, it's all No, how come? Is that, is that uh, you're going to have to film, film me in here, is that narrow? Is that the turns? Is that the speed? Yep. What are we looking at? I think it's just... Uh, the layout, all the layout is made in there. The banking, because you got a, a little less banking, so you get you, you really gotta hope um, go for the bottom. So uh, w- when the track is more like a one groove track, you uh, you really you gotta go down. And when, when you get on the outside, everybody's pinching is is going down low. So you gotta find a hole to go down. But you ne- you 
you rarely have a hole, so you got to make your hole, so that's why it gets rough a bit sometimes. <laughs> yeah, you got like we call it nudging down south. Right. You nudge them out of the way. If you get, if you, I mean, Alex will tell you if a driver they want to keep that line obviously to keep the drive the race car behind them, but if they get out of that groove a little bit, and then Alex can dive that car just in just enough inside to, to mess up their line to give him a way to get through there, he's going to take it, and that's what <laughs> that's what makes these races so exciting. And I wanted to remind you real quick, Reed. I apologize. I got it pulled up now. Gates open at noon on Saturday. Okay. And then practice starts for the Penty Series cars at 12:45. So fans can come out and spend the whole day watching practice. Qualifying is at 4:05. They're going to have uh, the mini cups and feature stocks also racing. And then we'll have a the, the great thing about the Penty Series too. They have an autograph session, so oh, the nice. fans can come up and. Like I tell these guys all the time, I tell Alex, someday I'm going to be able to tell everybody I knew him when. Right. <laughs> when he makes it to the big leagues. But uh, <laughs> but it's a great deal. They got family pa- they got family pricing packages. It's it's just a good time to come out there and have a good time at that racetrack. All right. Going to be good weather uh, as well. Alex, uh, talking about the nudging, uh, mm-hmm. have you ever had one of those, you know, where you see on TV where the guys get out of the cars and push each other or go yes. at it? In the, have, you, have, you, have you had that? Yeah, sometimes it's get, it gets uh, hot a bit. <laughs> but I mean... Uh, I've never been like in a in like in a fight or something like that. But I, sometimes you you speak loud a bit and you you just you just tell you just want to defend your point a little bit with some other drivers. But I think it's it's part of the game. We're all there, uh, going for everything we can, and uh, we're all uh, pretty emotional after. What what's the worst uh, wreck you've been in? Ever anything pretty scary or? Not really. I think I've been fortunate, pretty fortunate. I did, uh, I've 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 got some pretty hard hits, but I mean just uh, sore ankle or stuff like that. Never. Uh, Never uh, big wrecks where I, I broke any bones or stuff like that. I was pretty lucky. I'm oh. really okay. So as Tim said, uh, the gates open at noon. You guys are going to qualify from four to five and then race at seven thirty. But there is yep. other stuff going on throughout oh, the yeah. day to watch as well. Um, so Alex, I guess it's simple for you, and I know th- there are still half the season left. But if you win Saturday, it's you're in first place regardless of how other people do. Yeah, for sure. That, that uh, if, if we win on Saturday, we're we're gonna leave uh, our West Coast trip on in the lead and in the points. And I think that that was the the uh, the, the goal coming in because we're we've got um, I think we're we got a little better program on the ovals and the road courses. We're we're still pretty good on the road course, but I think uh, we're a little better on the ovals. So if did you leave. prefer the ovals then, or is it just happened to have been a better year on the ovals? Yeah, I think I mean, last year we did pretty good on the road courses, but this year we're just trying the new stuff and we we're not just not as fast as last year but I, we're, we're going to get there for sure but I, I've got a lot more experience on the ovals too so I think okay. I'm uh, more of an oval guy but um, I'm, pr- I'm pretty confident we can even win even uh, on an oval and on a road course. Alright and then uh, for either of you guys where, where are you going next and how, how long into the fall does the season extend here? Uh, the, the season will last until September it'll okay. end in Kawartha and Ontario but they head to his backyard the next race I believe at Trois Rivière right? Yeah it's a GPCR. Oh, so you're going to be the fan favorite there. Yeah, I know the, the Dumoulins are from, or they're, they're, they're from this city, so they're a little more, a little, they're, they're the favorites I think there, but I'm, I'm like 45 minutes away, so I've got a lot, a lot, a lot of people there, but uh, it's always a really nice event there. We're right in in downtown uh, Trois-Rivières, and it's uh, it's, all, it's always uh, really nice to see what what how the the hospitality of the of that race and everything. It's uh, it's, it's one of the the nicest event of, event of the year. 
got to brag on him just one second. Last year, his team hosted Jeffrey Earnhardt, oh. who was Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s nephew, yep. who raced there. And his dad, Kerry, raced at Hickory, where I managed the racetrack years ago. And oh, there uh, Jeffrey go. had a good time up there, and the yep. fans embraced him. And they, believe me, the Doomlands, that is their home. But there was a lot of fans over at that. At the, but you can't hear <laughs> the cheering when you're in the vehicle anyway. Yeah, not, till after, not till after the race. Yep. <laughs> Too much going on. Uh, Alex Labbe, thanks for coming in. Great job in Saskatoon last night. All the best. 7.30, the big race, 7th and International Luxor 300. Yes, sir. That's correct. Alex, thanks for coming in. Tim Southers, you do a great job. Th- thanks for lining us up with Alex and giving us all the uh, information. Enjoy your stay in Edmonton. Hey, the pleasures are we welcome. Love the hospitality you give us Southern boys, or this Southern boy, every time <laughs> I come up here. So I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to get Alex down south already too, too quickly, but, uh, but no, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks for having us. And uh, fans, come out and enjoy the race. It'll be a great show Saturday night. Right on. Thanks, thanks again. 14-14 Montreal and Winnipeg, halfway through the second quarter. We'll keep you updated on that one. Inside Sports on 630 Chet. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Mike Riley was a guest on this very program last night getting set to take on his former team, his former mentor, the BC Lions, Travis Lule. Looking great for them. So, you know, Eskimos head coach Jason Moss said, you know what, okay, fine, it's July 28th, but let's treat it like a big game. Let's remember what's at stake, that we can move ahead of this team, we can clinch the season series. What about the dude on the other sideline, Wally Buono? What's he thinking? Well, yeah, I've always approached the next game as the next game. Uh, you know, and, you know, obviously uh, when you look at, um, you know, Western Division, you look at where you are, you look at where the Eskimos are, you look at the season series, you know, all these things come into play play but it's still the sixth game of the season and uh, a win uh, tomorrow night by either team really doesn't do anything other than uh, allow you to win your sixth game so you know I I don't make too much of it Um, you know everybody's different Uh, you know I think you have to just try to keep even keel about the game and uh, obviously this is a very good football team playing their home Uh, you know so for us uh, we understand it's going to be a very tough very physical game all right, that is Wally Buono, head coach of the BC Lions. Obviously a remarkable uh, remarkable career in the CFL. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on 630 Chet. It is 735. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Again, the Eskimos broadcast tomorrow will start at 6 with the countdown to kick off. The game is at 730. Well, a very special guest here in studio. I want to welcome Elsa McDonald to Inside Sports. Elsa, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you for having me. You have a great story, and you recently, uh, an incredible accomplishment. You won the Sinister Seven. Uh, that is a race, uh, I just jotted down here, the Crow's Nest Pass region, fair enough to give people an idea, because yep. yep. it went through several communities and non-populated areas. Would that be fair to say? That's correct, yeah. Okay, well, you're, you're the expert. Give us, what is the Sinister Seven? What exactly did you finish and win here? Uh, the Sinister Seven is a 100-mile trail race that is in the Crow's Nest Pass. It goes through several mountain summits. There's seven legs. Um, you take in 6,400 meters of elevation over the course. You're doing river crossings. You're running exposed sections. You're doing some very steep inclines and a lot of steep downhills as well. So there's a 30-hour time limit, so uh, competitors have 30 hours to complete the course or they get a DNF, which is a do-not-finish. Right. Okay, so you won. Um, and I, the, correct me if I'm wrong here in your time. You were just under 19 hours? Yeah, 18 hours, 55 minutes. Okay, so that's 
because you know I, I was talking to some coworkers today, and I was I was saying, well, you know, I have Elsa McDonald coming in, and I was describing stuff, and somebody said, well, so she's basically a distance runner. And you have done that, but would you describe this race as a distance running race, or is it kind of a different animal? I'd say it's a different animal. Okay, because you mentioned <laughs> there's terrain and all that, right? Yeah, yeah. You're definitely not running the entire 100 miles. There's a lot of sections that aren't runnable, so it's it's a different challenge. Is everybody on the same course? Like, were there competitors near you all the time, or how does that work? After leg two, I ran alone for the rest of the day. <laughs> you didn't really see anybody else. I, the only people I saw were um, the people working at the aid stations, which were roughly every 10 kilometers, and my crew, which were between every leg. Could Is it possible to get lost on this course? I mean, clearly you didn't, but is it possible? It is possible. Um, it is very well marked, but I guess if you're not paying attention to the, the markers, you could easily be led astray. I think there was a couple of guys that went off course, but... Um, one of the markers went missing or something and they, they corrected that and it, it didn't happen again so okay it is very well marked all right so this this was july 8th and 9th um i guess you started july 8th and finished in the dark or no what have you done it all in one day because you nope. started pretty early yeah we started at seven o'clock in the morning and i came in just before 2 a.m okay next day. all right so now what i understand here is you won the solo competitive portion of the race uh, so the Sinister Seven, so it's named after some of the mountains in the area, but there's also seven stages to it. Yeah, that's correct. So a team of seven could enter and do it like a relay. Yep. But you beat most of the relay teams <laughs> yourself, right? Except for a few? I did. There was 200 teams that entered, uh, 189 teams finished, and if I was running as a team, I would have came in ninth. Oh, so you even beat <laughs> people that had a fresh athlete every every few hours. You still did that. Okay, so so you're out there. And you're not, you mentioned you're not always running, but you're trying to go as fast as, as you can. Um, okay, this is just like a really basic question, but like, what did you eat to prepare for this? <laughs> and what did you eat when you were en route? That's not a basic question at all. That's nutrition is key when you're doing something like this. Um, everybody's different and, and different things work for different people. But for me, uh, I've done quite a few endurance events. I've done a couple of Ironmans and I've done other ultras, not as long as this one. But um, what works for me is peanut butter banana wraps. Okay. And <laughs> During or before? During. Okay. Yeah, I try and eat every hour just to stay on top of my calories. Um, it's very difficult to do too because you don't really get hungry when you're eating. So you kind of have to force yourself to do it. But um, so peanut butter sandwiches work for me. Um, granola bars like Lara bars or cook bars. And I always carry candy because okay. candy is just so simple to digest when you're, especially when you're running in hot weather. Yeah. How hot was it? The hottest part of the day reached 35 degrees, but it, it hovered in the, the high 30s for most of the day. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, so a 100-mile course and uh, over plus 30, and you're going up mountains and through bush and all this kind of stuff. Were you, were you ever sort of on a defined running trail or even a, like a road or anything like that? The terrain varied. Um, we started on the road, actually, so it was actually on pavement. Okay. Um, there were some single tracks, tracks some double track, um, some very rocky sections, some very narrow trails. So we, we had it all. <laughs> okay, you had it all, except rain, obviously. You just had, just had heat. Rain would have been nice. <laughs> yeah, maybe just a little bit to cool off. Um, 
What about hydration? Are you constantly, is it like all, like how much water during, or did you, do you use some other kind of beverage or what? I do a 50, 50 split of water Gatorade. Okay. I find that works really well for me. Um, I was carrying a pack which carried two liters of fluid. Mm-hmm. There was one leg where I actually filled that up twice along the way. So I went out with a full pack and came out in with an empty pack. So six liters of fluid in the 30K that I ran. Okay. I read something. Ago. I don't know if it's true. Did you have a beer during the race? <laughs> Yes, I did. <laughs> when I came in from like three, I sat down at the aid station and I had a beer. <laughs> okay, so you say, so you you are allowed, well, I guess they can't stop you from sitting or or whatever, but you don't want to do that for too long, clearly. No, you don't. But sometimes you need to. I mean, I I sat down between every leg of the race or most of them. Um, because you have to do shoe changes and my crew oh. was cooling me down and putting sunscreen on and so blister care. <laughs> oh geez. So this is a major, this is a major production. How many of these, uh, I, I, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, this would, would this be called ultra endurance in terms of the category? Um, it's an ultra marathon, uh, so ultra an marathon. endurance event. Yep. Is this the longest one you've ever done or what's, what's your history with the sport here? This is the longest uh, ultra marathon I've ever done. I did a hundred K last or back in February, which was kind of a prep race for what I, what I did this past month. Um, I've done a couple of shorter races, 50 Ks. Uh, I did a 12 hour mountain run out in Victoria one time where you just went up and down the same mountain for 12 hours. <laughs> oh, jeez! <laughs> I did that's, the, that's, 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 that sounds like torture. <laughs> that's what people are thinking right now. <laughs> and it is for some people. <laughs> I find pleasure in it for some reason. Well, there is, you know, there is a sense of accomplishment. And I mentioned during the commercial, and I talk about it on the show. I I run nowhere near the distances uh, you do. I usually do a half marathon or two every year, and then try to try to run. But in terms of Okay, so you've accomplished this. You know, you won the Sinister Seven. I know uh, you were in the Boston. How many Boston marathons have you run? Two. You were the top Canadian female in 2016. Yep. Right in Boston, so you're you're pretty high level. But there was a point where you hadn't probably finished anything. So how did how did it start? And then how did it? I'll use the word escalate <laughs> to being like ah, I don't want to do a 10k. I want to do a 50. Like take me through the progression here. It, it's definitely a slow progression. Uh, I started running when I was really young, and it was shorter distances, like 10Ks. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually never in my life ran a 5K, so I kind of started at the 10K distance. Um, I used. I remember there was a time where I thought that people who ran half marathons were crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and I swore to God I would never do a full marathon. Okay. Um, but, you know, I, I did a 10K, and then I went to the 10-mile, and then I thought, oh, the 10-mile was manageable. Maybe and I'll sorry, t- I... I- I know you're not supposed to ask a lady her age, but uh, you're not. I just turned 37. You just turned 37. So what age is this starting then? Is the obsession beginning? So like in high school, I was a runner. So teenager, you're already kicking into the high gear. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. All right. (laughs) So that's when I started racing. You know, so in 2004, when I moved to Cold Lake, um, I started doing triathlons and uh, like Olympic distance, um, got into the 10 mile, then decided I'd go to the half marathon. After a couple half marathons, I got finally convinced by a friend to try the full marathon. Okay. <laughs> and actually, when I did my first full marathon, I crossed the finish line. And I swear to God, I would never do it again. It was awful. <laughs> and I was in a lot of pain. Yeah. <laughs> but then when you get over the pain, there's this huge sense of accomplishment. And then you want to do it again. Right. And you want to see if you can do it better. So... I just, the next one went much better and then I just kind of got addicted and it was all about raising the bar. 
And then after a few marathons, it was like, well, maybe, maybe I can go a little bit further. (laughs) (laughs) And it just slowly got longer and longer and longer and... Incredible. Uh, Ailsa, Ailsa, Ailsa McDonald joining us in studio, Sinister 7 uh, champion from uh, about three weeks ago in Crow's Nest Pass, and she's telling us about her, her incredible running history. Okay, so going into the Sinister 7, were you, are you competitive enough to think, I, like, I actually want to, like, you're always competitive with yourself, I assume, PBs or accomplishment, like you measured, but were you th- going in this to win? Like, how competitive are you in terms of against other people? Absolutely not. I am actually not competitive at all with other people I am like you say competitive with myself yeah my goal at Sinister 7 was to finish I had never done 100 miles before I was going into unknown territory I think that anybody who finished the race that day or anybody who ever crosses the finish line of a 100 mile ultra marathon is a champion <laughs> yes that's regardless fair. of the time <laughs> so to me it didn't matter I knew I had the lead after leg two and that I was holding the lead but I never let that change my goal I know that endurance events that things can change in the beat of an eye so mm-hmm. I um, I just kept that goal in the back of my head my only goal is to finish it doesn't matter what my place is or what my time is I am crossing that finish line yeah well you did that uh, can, <laughs> can you stick around because there's more I want to ask you this is fascinating and if anybody has a question for Elsa you can text 630-630 she won the Sinister 7 a 100 mile race and uh, she mentioned she's been in the Boston Marathon done tons of 50Ks run, and you got some exciting stuff coming up so I want to ask you about that as well it's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chet This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, Montreal leading Winnipeg 21-14, last minute of the first half in Winnipeg. CFL action underway tonight, Eskimos-Lions tomorrow. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. My name is Reed Wilkins. Elsa McDonald is in studio. Fascinating story. Uh, the, the jumping off point was that she won the Sinister 7 race in southern Alberta earlier this month. That's 100 miles. Elsa, uh, about 160 kilometers. Yep, that's right. Kilometers, sorry. I always bug people who say kilometers. Uh, we got some texts from 630-630. You ready to see what... Uh, my, some of my 14 listeners are asking tonight. Yeah, you bet. <laughs> Paul says, a great story, great interview. I'd love to know what her celebration was. Sorry, celebration meal was after winning the race. A burger. Always a burger. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> like, did you eat it right after or did you have to wait a bit? Oh, no, I went to bed right after because it was 2 in the morning. I was pretty tired. So um, went to bed and after the award ceremony the next day, we went. We all went for burgers, myself and my crew. All right, your your friend Brad has texted in. I hope that rings a bell uh elsa is competitive don't let her tell you different she kicks my butt climbing hills on the bike all the time very <laughs> proud of you that's from your friend brad <laughs> well no comment on that one eh? that's fine uh, and d says uh, excellent guest okay so we talked a little bit about what you eat during the race uh, but here's a good one from D. How has she changed her diet slash eating as she's increased her distance? She must burn a ton of calories. I eat a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and what uh, what do you do? You focus on certain foods, or what do you what do you do? 
Uh, no, not particularly. I do have it, like I eat pretty clean anyway, but I do have a tendency to, um, I, I ha- have a high fat diet. Like I eat a lot of nuts, oils, avocados every day, okay. eggs, stuff like that. But I, and I eat meat. Like a lot of people think that endurance athletes go vegan or, you know, but I definitely eat a lot of meat. <laughs> okay. What, now what do you do daily for activity? I, I mean, cause you gotta, you gotta be pretty sharp <laughs> and keep your endurance up if you're doing these 50 plus K races. I do a lot of cross training. Okay. I don't actually, I'm not actually a high mileage runner. Okay. I average about 75 kilometers a week. Uh, I focus more on quality when it comes to the runs as opposed to quantity, but I do do one bulk weekend before I'm going into an ultra marathon just to make sure it's kind of a confidence builder. So I know that I can tackle the distance. Um, but for me, a typical week is filled with cycling, uh, running, yoga, swimming, um, lots of strength training. Okay, so you're, you're active in a lot in a lot of different ways. Then, did you like do you do any team sports or anything like that, or is it not anymore? Not, no, yeah. I used to play hockey in the military, and I used to um, play a lot of sports in high school. But it's as you get older, it's harder and harder to be involved in teams. So, all right. So you, you mentioned that you were in the military. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to get to that. How do you feel, if at all, that maybe help prepare you or get your body in tune for doing some of these these races? Well, military training is definitely physical and mental. So I think uh, my time in the military definitely helped prepare me physically and mentally for everything I do in life. Um, I went through an army school for my trades training and we were doing the battle fitness test, which is uh, 13K rucksack march, carrying um, a loaded rucksack, 13 kilograms, I believe is the weight. And then you would carry your, your weapon as well. And you're doing it in your combat boots. So it's not right. exact, it's not like you're doing it in running shoes and it's comfortable. Um, and there was always challenges in the military. You had to keep your fitness up. You had to pass your fitness test. Um, there was a commandant's challenge we used to do uh, once a month when I was in Gagetown at school. We would do a mile and a half as fast as you could, and it was as many chin-ups, sit-ups, and push-ups that you could do. So there was always the military's physical demanding and definitely mentally demanding as well. Yeah. Well, and the, I, the mental side of it is so huge, right? Cause Absolutely. Because, I, I mean, if, you, if you're in the middle of one of these incredibly long races or run or whatever. I mean, if you start telling yourself it's difficult, your body just sags, right? Absolutely. Yep. It's definitely important to stay positive. Yeah. Do you, did, when you were doing the Sinister Seven, did you, I know you, I guess you were in the lead, so you sort of separated, but have you ever had to give a competitor a boost or a pep talk while you're on a course? Does that happen? Uh, not, not in that race. Obviously, like I said, I, I ran most of the day by myself, but um, actually, it did happen in that race. Now that I remember, the, on the first leg, there was a guy who was really suffering. And um, he, when I passed him, he said, oh, I'm having the worst day of my life. And I was thinking to myself, oh, gosh, it's going to be a very long day for you because we're only in like, well, we're about 10K into a 100-mile yeah. race. But I, I tried to encourage him and say, it's a long day. It's, there's going to be lots of mental highs and lows, but you can do this. And I'm not sure if he finished or not. I really hope he did. Mm-hmm. But... Um, but yeah, I always try. If I see people struggling, I always try and give them a little bit of encouragement, as well as people who are doing well. If they pass me, I tell them, "Hey, good job!" Right? Yeah, it does. It does. It does help. Just a little word of encouragement or looking mm-hmm. good or whatever. I I, I read because I was reading some of the post race reports. I, I thought I read only eighteen percent of the solo competitors finished. That's correct. That sounds yeah. right, eh? Yeah. So what do you think did the men? What do you think did the men in a hundred mile race? But what I'm getting at. What, do you think it was the? Do you think it was the heat though that might have been the biggest factor? I think it was definitely a contributing factor this year. The Sinister Seven has a low finish rate anyway, just sure. because of the, the demanding course. It's one of the toughest courses on the ultra circuit, but 
Um, the heat was definitely a huge factor that day. There was a lot of cases of uh, dehydration and heat stroke. So that definitely knocked out a few competitors. Okay, Elsa, what's next for you? I understand you got some exciting stuff coming up in the fall. Yeah, I do. Uh, I'm going to do another 50k ultra marathon, which is out in Victoria, the Finlayson Arm Ultra. Um, it's a it's a shorter race, but it has 10,000 feet of elevation gain, so it's going to be very challenging. Oh, <laughs> and I planned on ending my race year there, but I've recently been invited to represent Canada at the World Ultramarathon Championships at the end of September in China. So I couldn't pass up that opportunity. And that's another 50K? That's another 50K, a little bit different. It'll be on paved trail and no elevation. <laughs> but that's incredible. So uh, you, have you represented Canada before? Have you been invited to this before? I haven't been invited to this before. Um, last year I won the Canadian National Mountain Running Championships and I was invited to represent Canada in the World Mountain Running Championships which was in Bulgaria but I was unable to go so this okay. will be my first time wearing the maple leaf so it's pretty exciting. Uh, we're running short of time wish we, we could keep going in in 30 seconds what would you say to people who and look you didn't like you said you, you didn't start doing this to, to win races or anything like this you wanted that accomplishment and, and all that kind of stuff but what would you say to somebody who's wanted to run or finish a race but they're on the fence or they're having trouble committing what, what would you say to them i think that anybody is capable of doing it um i think a big thing is uh, to have confidence in yourself focus on a small goal like like just finishing regardless of time um but a lot of people go into a race and they put but they put a time limit on it or they say oh that distance is huge i'll never be able to do that and and you're you're setting yourself up to fail. But if you take a distance or you take a time, say, yes, I can do that, and you mentally prepare yourself for it, you can finish it. Great advice. Elsa, thanks so much for coming in. We'll have to touch base when you when you do Victoria and do the Worlds in China and see how you, see how you did and see how that experience was. Thanks for coming in. Thank you. Elsa McDonald checking in. Tonight, Sinister 7 champion from the race July 8th and 9th in Crow's Nest Pass. All right. Here's what's coming up tomorrow. It is the big one. Six o'clock countdown to kick off. 7.30, the play-by-play will start with Morley and Dave, the Eskimos, and the Lions. The Blue Jays won earlier today. A grand slam by Steve Pierce in the bottom of the 10th. They sweep the A's with an 8-4 decision. The producer of the show is Dave Campbell. The studio producer is Kellen Kennedy. My name is Reed Wilkins. This has been Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched, I will be back on Monday. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.